you're listening to this podcast. I'm recording it on Monday night. I intended to get to it Monday afternoon. I did not. I had other stuff going on, but it actually worked out pretty well because now we know who the four Heisman finalists are, and we know that C.J. Stroud is one of them. Am I surprised? Yes, I am surprised, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Utah Utes and the Rose Bowl. Will any Buckeye players opt out of the Rose Bowl to protect their NFL draft status? Mm, I don't know. That could be interesting. But thank you for listening to the We Tackle Life podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you along. You can send me an email, wetacklelife at gmail.com, wetacklelife at gmail.com. And uh, the faith portion of the podcast at the end today will uh, give you the list you've always wanted. A lot of people want a list, so I'll give you the list. <laughs> I happened upon it today. And I thought, well, people would probably like to see that list. So I'll share it with you and have a little bit to say about it. But first of all, shout out to the sponsors, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, longest running sponsor of the We Tackle Life podcast. Great people. They have the perfect corporate gift. You got a company, you want to send a cool corporate gift, thank the customer for being a customer all year long. Want to let somebody who is a relative or a friend who is, uh, you know, 1,000 miles away, 400 miles away, whatever, miles away, not going to see them over Christmas. You know they love coffee. Who doesn't love coffee? Everybody loves coffee. And who doesn't love Hemisphere Coffee Roasters coffee? Nobody, as Jim Harbaugh might say. Yes, everybody loves Hemisphere Coffee Roasters coffee because it is awesome. It is hand-picked. Every bean from around the world, Indonesia, Thailand, Nicaragua, Ethiopia, among the countries where Paul buys his coffee. And he ships it right to your door, right to your door. At the low, low bargain rate, well, lower still when you take 15% off with the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. So make sure you get that done. Get your Hemisphere Coffee Roasters coffee and uh, get the gift packs as they will put one kind of coffee in there if you want or there are a couple different sampler packs or with a mug or with some tea or with some chocolate. You name it, they can do it. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, 15% off when you use the promo code we tackle life in all caps. Okay, C.J. Stroud is a Heisman finalist. Am I surprised? Yeah, I am. I am surprised. I thought the Michigan game, even though he didn't play a bad game, but I thought the Michigan game would do him in. I uh, just didn't think he'd get there. But he's there, along with Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback, and Pitt quarterback Kenny Pickett, and, yes, Michigan defensive end Aiden Hutchinson, who will be, if he wins it, the first guy to win a Heisman Trophy off of, what, two games? Like, nobody was talking about Aiden Hutchinson before the Ohio State game, he had three sacks. Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, using the bully pulpit of the Fox Big Noon kickoff to uh, stump. I was going to say shill, but I guess I'll say stump for Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, and I actually like seeing somebody who's not a quarterback or not a running back on the ballot. So uh, will he finish in the top three? I don't know. Probably I think he'd finish ahead of Kenny Pickett, although – I don't know. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll finish ahead of C.J. Stroud, although I doubt it because a lot of people have voted before Ohio State played Michigan. I know, I know, I know. Ballots were not supposed to be in until 5 o'clock today. Mine was in about midnight last night. There are a lot of people who vote on the Heisman and don't wait to get all the games played. So I, uh, I don't favor that, particularly now in the age of online voting. But... Um, Seems silly to me, but why not? Why not? Why not watch? But they they didn't watch all the games, and so we'll see. Kenny Pickett, Aiden Hutchinson, C.J. Stroud. I think everybody now expects Bryce Young to win it because Bryce Young will get the votes at the end. 
given the fact that Alabama beat Georgia to finish number one in the college football playoff rankings. But congratulations to C.J. Stroud. He's had a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous freshman year. He will play against Utah, but will any other Buckeyes skip the game against Utah? This is not a playoff game. I mean, I, I know. You're sitting there. You're in your 40s, and you're going, what are you, crazy? Like, nobody's going to skip a Rose Bowl. Mm. You used to go into the Ohio State football facility back when I covered the team uh, during the Cooper era, and the schedule would, you know, be top to bottom, non-league games, last game, regular season, Michigan. And then on the end of the schedule, January 1, Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl. It was there on the schedule as if, hey, this is where we want to go. There was no, you know, playoff. There was no anything. It was Rose Bowl. And that is how the uh, majority of Ohio State fans now, who are, I'd say, 50 and over, used to uh, view a season. Now, mm, Rose Bowl is important if it's a playoff game. It's not a playoff game this year. The playoff games are at the Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl. And so, will they sit? I mean, Chris Olave might. Garrett Wilson might. Uh, would there be other guys who might sit? Maybe one of their offensive linemen? Yeah, possibly. Taylor Munford, he might sit. Who knows? Uh, we'll see. Nicholas Petit-Free, he might sit. So I put a Twitter poll up asking you how many Ohio State players, uh, if any, will sit this season uh, in the Rose Bowl. And 60% of you, 60% expect three or more to sit. Uh, I, I, I actually will be very surprised if it's three or more. I would, uh, I would be not surprised at all if Garrett Wilson sat. He's proven it. He's a first-round pick. Why go out there and play? Chris Olave, eh, if he wasn't from California, maybe. Maybe, uh, maybe he wouldn't be torn. Because Chris Olave has nothing to prove. He's played four years. He's got a bonus year out of Chris Olave. So those are the two guys that I think are most likely uh, to sit. And, you know, it really wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for Ohio State to get more guys. I don't know, well, they got a million wide receivers, right? And I think that might make the team pay attention. And I think it might introduce kind of a little unknown. Maybe, you know, right now we're in a situation where I think everybody expects Ohio State to take Utah lightly. And that would be a mistake since they beat Oregon, a team that beat Ohio State in Columbus without Kayvon Thibodeau. They beat Oregon like a drum twice. But maybe Utah would take Ohio State lightly if Ohio State's top two wide receivers did not play in the game. Don't know. I know this. It's Utah's first trip to the Rose Bowl ever, and they are going to be <laughs> out of their minds to play that game. Doesn't mean they'll play well, but they'll be out of their minds to play that game. So Ohio State against Utah in the Rose Bowl. It's great to be in the Rose Bowl because you don't have to worry about when's the game. They will play after the day after the playoff games. Alabama-Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl and Georgia-Michigan in the Orange Bowl. Now, I give Cincinnati a good chance, a fair chance to beat Alabama. I do. You say, I know. I didn't miss the Georgia-Alabama game. I saw it. Alabama's not going to have John Mechie. Cincinnati's got really good corners, really good defense, and a lot of times in these games, the team is told they got no shot. Turns out to have more than a shot, can actually get it done. Ohio State against Alabama, 
did it in 2014 in the Sugar Bowl, maybe Luke Fickle will be playing for a national championship. Who knows? But I don't think Bama is as lead pipe a cinch to win that game as a lot of people do. Michigan-Georgia, well, you know I was not that high on Michigan all season long. And you know after they lost to Michigan State, I was basically like, Ohio State's going to roll these guys. Didn't happen. Michigan was much more physical than I thought they could be. And they dominated Iowa as they should have because they are better than Iowa. The Big Ten West is just abysmal. But Georgia's a different animal, man. Georgia's a different animal. And Georgia's fully awake now and engaged because they lost to Bama. And you know they'd love to have another shot at Bama. So I'm going to take Georgia. And yes, I'm going to take UC. Yes, I am. I'm taking UC. And Georgia and, and, and Cincinnati and Georgia beat Cincinnati last year on like a late score. And I know this, Cincinnati's a lot better than they were a year ago. And you say, well, so is Georgia, idiot, or they wouldn't be in a playoff. Yeah, I know, but Georgia's quarterback is not that great. He's not that great. So I am, why not? I want Cinderella in the first semi. Why not go Cinderella all the way? I reserve judgment on injuries and other perspectives. But right now, uh, for those who say Cincinnati has no chance, you are wrong. Cincinnati has... Not just a chance, but I think they have a very good chance to win it all. Now, would Ohio State like that if Cincinnati won the national championship? Uh, No. No. I'm not going to pretend they would. They would not like it at all. And Cincinnati fans, understandably, would never let Ohio State hear the end of it. And there would be pressure, and there should be pressure, for Ohio State to have to play Cincinnati in football. And I would love to see Ohio State and Cincinnati play again. Play again. Many of you forget, or you'll remember it once I tell you, in the year that Ohio State won the national championship under Jim Trestle, 2002, that whole shebang almost came apart in, I think, week three, maybe week two, down at Paul Brown Stadium. They didn't even play Cincinnati in Nippert Stadium. Nippert's been redone since then. If you played in Nippert now, it's an even tougher place to play. But... Cincinnati was throwing into the end zone from like the five or 10 yard line on the last two or three plays of that game and had a guy who caught the ball for the game winning touchdown and dropped it. Otherwise, Ohio State doesn't even get to play in the national championship that game that year because Iowa was also 8 0 in the Big Ten and Iowa was thought to be uh, the much better team than Ohio State, except back then you didn't hop anybody in the polls if you lost a game, and Iowa lost to Iowa State in the Cyhawk Trophy game. But Iowa had Brad Banks. He was a Heisman Trophy winner. They have Dallas Clark, who played for years and years and years for the Colts. Iowa's offense was super high-powered, and you might remember Ohio State like struggled offensively that year as Maurice Claret was frequently injured. So there was an instance of a team, Ohio State, that everybody said, you got no shot to beat Miami. What are you crazy? They're going to crush you. And they didn't. So that is why I give the Cincinnati Bearcats and head coach Luke Fickle a shot to win the national championship, not just beat Alabama. Now, Mark Turgeon at Maryland is not going to be winning any national championships, at least not at Maryland. He quit this week. He resigned. He couldn't take the heat. Mark Turgeon, you will famously remember, was the coach who whined about Caleb Wesson getting calls 
And then it led to a little tete-a-tete between Turgeon and Chris Holtman right before COVID hit. Oh, back in a simpler time when all we had to worry about was whether or not Caleb Wesson got away with fouls against poor, poor little Maryland. So Mark Turgeon, uh, kind of a whiner. He is out of a job at Maryland, succeeded by Danny Manning. Turgeon's been there 10 years. He's gotten him to one sweet 16. Not good enough. Not good enough for Maryland. And yes, I know. Chris Holtman's now in his fifth year at Ohio State. He has not gotten Ohio State to the Sweet 16. This is the year they need to make it happen. They have Towson on Wednesday night. They beat Penn State last night. And you know what? They actually beat Penn State like pretty convincingly. I know, drives me crazy. They get a double figure lead in the second half and can't hold it. Lost it against Seton Hall. Had to win it on Michi's three at the buzzer. Had a double-figure lead against Florida, blew it, lost it at the three-pointer, at a three-pointer on the at the buzzer. They definitely have to learn how to start protecting a lead, but at least they beat Penn State somewat comfortably. Uh, Kyle Young, four for four on threes. Jamari Wheeler had a pretty nice, efficient game, nine assists, nine, nine points, and I think five rebounds and three steals. That's a very efficient game. And then... Um, Justin Arns hit a big three at the end. Justin Arns, you know, if he Justin Arns needs to hit three threes a game, three or four, to make teams honor him. So we'll see how they do against Towson, and then they got Wisconsin on Saturday, I believe. And the Badgers are playing well. They're in the top 25. Ohio State's back in the top 25 at 21 in the wake of their win over Duke. Got Eugene Brown back, still no justice suing. I think they're learning now how to play without suing, so then he'll come back, and that'll be a period of adjustment. Maybe he won't come back. Who knows? Maybe he'll sit out the whole year. But at this point in time, I think Ohio State looks like they're kind of starting to figure some things out, and we'll see how they do uh, the rest of this week with two games, one Wednesday against Towson, one Saturday against Wisconsin. Here's a reminder that as I sit here and talk to you, it is December 6th, soon to be December 7th, a day that will live in infamy, Pearl Harbor attack, 80 years ago tomorrow. I sure wish I could talk to my dad about the Pearl Harbor attack because he fought in World War II. He was a young boy when Pearl Harbor happened. My father would have been 15 years old on the day that happened. He enlisted in the Army the first day he was eligible uh, on either his 17th or 18th birthday, and he fought in the European theater. And I would just like to talk to him. And I was thinking today I heard a radio clip from a guy who's 101 years old and was on one of the ships that the Japanese bombed at Pearl Harbor, and he talked about jumping off that ship through the water that was on fire and getting to the USS Maryland. And I thought, you know, how long is it going to be before we hear that the last surviving member of the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor has died? So um, these guys who are left have seen 80 years since then. I would think they were not going to see 85 or certainly not going to see 90. So... Um, I just am uh, reflective on a historical date, but I bring up December the 7th because that means you got eight days after that, eight, just eight days to order your health insurance for the coming year. You don't get to change your health insurance anytime you want to. You have to change it during what's called open enrollment. That's now. AUINFO.com is why I bring it up. They're a great company. They will answer any question you have about is this doctor in my plan? Is this hospital in my plan? I think I might need a joint replacement. Like, do I have a huge copay on a joint replacement? I think my wife might have a baby. 
Are the maternity benefits in this plan good or should we get in another plan? Like, man, don't wait and hope and not check and just believe that, well, it was good three years ago. No, check it out for free. For free, I said. Did I mention? It's free. AUINFO.com. Go to their site, type in whatever question you have, ask them about the plans. They have some plans that nobody else has. They have the ability to pair you up with a bunch of other people and get you a discount rate. They will negotiate for you through healthcare.gov. And, um, you know, why not? Why not avail yourself of great free expertise at auiinfo.com? December 15th, that's it. Got no shot after that. So don't tarry. Get it done today. auiinfo.com. All right. I uh, find it interesting that the college football season uh, has had the number of big-time jobs open that it has had. Today, Mario Cristobal from Oregon uh, became the head coach at Miami. I believe, I'm pretty sure Mario Cristobal played on the offensive line down there when I covered them in the uh, in the late 80s. So Cristobal leaves Oregon. So then the musical chairs game of big-time coaches to big-time schools, Oregon is now open. Uh, they can't hire Joe Moorhead, their offensive coordinator, because he got hired at Akron. Uh, would they bring Chip Kelly back from UCLA? Yeah, maybe. UCLA probably wouldn't fight him because he hasn't gotten he has not gotten it done at UCLA. And if I'm Chip Kelly, um, I don't want to be playing second fiddle to Lincoln Riley in the city of Los Angeles. I know it's a big city, but Lincoln Riley is to me right now the best hire of the offseason by anyone. Today, Notre Dame also announced or at least unveiled their new head football coach. You know him very well. He's former Buckeye linebacker Marcus Freeman, former Cincinnati defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman. He went to Notre Dame last year instead of LSU. LSU wanted him to. And he was at Cincinnati, he was at Notre Dame a year. Brian Kelly leaves for LSU. And Marcus Freeman's taken over at Notre Dame. So good for Marcus. Really good kid. Really polite young man. Um I think he's a very, very good leader. I don't know if he's ready for the Notre Dame job, man. That's a very, very weird place to coach. Hard to get kids in. They don't have the national kind of vibe thing that they used to have. I mean, they're still a national school, but you can't. I, don't get mad at me, Notre Dame fan. I get it. You're good, all that. You have a lot more the feeling of the little engine that could now than you do the big dog who orders everybody else off the porch. When they had Lou Holtz, they were the big dog that could order everybody off the porch. Now, uh-uh. Everything has to go right for them to get in the playoff, and then when they get in the playoff, they get dusted because they just don't have the same kind of athletes. Now, Freeman, that defense he built at Cincinnati, they got a bunch of junkyard dogs on that defense, but it's probably harder to get kids into school at Cincinnati, at Notre Dame, than it is at Cincinnati. Will he be able to find those guys who have the same athletic ability as Sauce Gardner and some of those other Cincinnati defensive players, but have the academic profile to play at Notre Dame. Well, he's got a tough job. Marcus has a tough job. And I hope they get him a veteran assistant coach to go in there and show him how to be a head coach because you really do need that kind of guidance. So Marcus is at Notre Dame. Billy Napier is the new coach at Florida. Yeah, I never heard of him either, but I'm sure he's a good coach. Brian Kelly to LSU. I've said that won't work. I give it three years. Tops. 
Brent Venables to Oklahoma. Brent Venables, the crazy, energetic, effervescent, charismatic Clemson defensive coordinator. Yes, he's all those things. I've talked to him. Brent Venables, extremely engaging, extremely charismatic. He goes back to Oklahoma, where he was the defensive coordinator under Bob Stoops. Dabo Sweeney hired him away from Oklahoma, I guess. I was under the impression Oklahoma was at the end of its Brett, Brent Venables uh, you know, love affair, and they were ready for him to move on. Well, he's moved on and done very well for himself at Clemson. Will he do well at Oklahoma? Hmm. I'm a little nervous about first-time head coaches at big-time programs and Venables being a – he's cut out to be a coordinator. I don't know if his energetic, all-in, chicken-with-the-head-cut-off style is made for a head coach. I don't know if it is. We'll see. But OU's convinced they got the coach. And, uh, hmm. I mean, they couldn't get Mark Stoops because he re-upped at Kentucky. Bob Stoops, too old, probably doesn't want to do it, doesn't want to die on the sidelines like his father did at Youngstown Cardinal Mooney. So I get it. They're kind of limited on some of their um, some of their options. But I would not be 100% positive that Brent Venables is going to translate into a great college head coach. Who's that good for? Well, it's good for Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle and Cincinnati are joining the Big 12. Remember Dan Hawkins, the Colorado coach one time? Talking about somebody was talking about ah, this player's hurt or they're not working hard enough. And he was a coach of Colorado. He goes, This ain't intramurals, brother. It's the Big 12. <laughs> yes, Dan, it's the Big 12. But Luke Fickle is positioned to dominate that league. Dominate it. You heard me. Who's going to give him trouble? West Virginia? Baylor? Oklahoma? Oklahoma State? All these all-offense teams that can't play ball control like Cincinnati can and does, Luke Fickle could Luke Fickle could do very well in the Big 12. And if you do very well in the Big 12, you are in the playoff. Now, he's playing with house money now because he's in the playoff with no other viable alternative that ESPN could sell. And by the way, were they ever selling Oklahoma State on Saturday morning. Oh, if Oklahoma State beats Baylor, they'll have a very impressive resume. Yeah, because you won Oklahoma State in the playoff and you don't want Cincinnati. So I'm glad that Baylor held on the one-yard line. And Cincinnati, by uh, you know winning fairly convincingly with a good second half against Houston, Cincinnati's in the playoff. There's nothing they can do to keep them out because if they could keep them out, they would. You and I both know they would if they could, but they cannot. And so we have Cincinnati and Bama and we have Georgia and Michigan on New Year's Eve. All right, now let's uh, remind you that my friend uh, Stan Willis and his great group of attorneys at Willis Spangler Starling stand poised to help you through whatever legal minefield you find yourself in. Is somebody pressing a legal action against you? Is uh, somebody infringing on your legal rights? If so, well, then Get with my friends at Willis Spangler Starling. You're starting a business. You need corporate papers drawn up. You're getting a new contract. You want somebody to look at your contract. All these reasons are reasons for you to get to know the good people at Willis Spangler Starling. They are tremendous. You'll find them on Twitter at, at Spangler Willis. At Spangler Willis. That's their Twitter. And their web address is willisattorneys.com. Willis. 
www.wetacklelifeattorneys.com. Mention the We Tackle Life podcast and you will get free consultation, maybe agreement that they'll do your case on a flat fee basis. I know this. They'll do it well. However they do it, you cannot get better representation than my attorneys. Yes, they are my attorneys. Willis Spangler Starling. Okay, in the faith portion of the podcast today, I was reading my Bible this morning, and you know what I was reading. I was reading Proverbs because Proverbs is my go-to. You say, do you ever read anything but Proverbs? Yeah, I read a lot of things besides Proverbs, but I always make it a point to spend some time every day in the book of Proverbs because I prize whatever degree of wisdom I can attain. Wisdom's not the same as knowledge. Wisdom is discernment. Wisdom is having knowledge and then knowing how to prudently weigh that knowledge and make a good decision. Wisdom is a bit of a... Wisdom is the presence of thought processes combined with knowledge that allow you to be impervious to pressure, um, feelings, a lot of things that will sway you to do something but may not be the right thing or, in this context, the wise thing to do. And the Bible says the Lord gives wisdom. Well, if he's going to give wisdom, and he is, then I'm going to line up at the trough every day with my mouth open like a hungry bird and try to take in every dollop of wisdom that I can. And that wisdom is found in the book of Proverbs and elsewhere in the Bible, of course. But it particularly is the concentration in small doses that land uh, with impact on my heart and my mind and my conscience. And a lot of people who believe wrongly, and they do believe this wrongly because it's not true, that their eternal destiny is decided by their behavior. Am I good enough? What do I need to do to get on God's side? What do I need to do to have God be my buddy and approve of me and find me worthy of heaven? Well, that answer is never going to be in a deed. That answer is going to be in the practicing of faith, of trust, of believing Jesus is who he said he was, the Savior of the world whose death on the cross makes salvation and forgiveness available to all men just by saying, I believe he did that. I believe he had the authority to do that. I believe he rose again, and I believe he died to pay the debt for my sin, and so I'm claiming his perfection as my own. I'm cleansing myself via him. And when you believe that authentically, you understand what an amazing transaction that is, that you could be acceptable in the sight of God because of what Christ did for you at the cross. And then I'm not going to say you'll never sin again. You will. You will sin again. You might sin every day. But it will impact you, affect you, hurt you, to know that that is how you are expressing your gratitude to God for what he did by sending his son to die for you, it takes all the pleasure, all the allure out of sin, 
and it convicts you to do better, to do better. But there are a lot of people who don't understand. They think the Bible and being saved and forgiven is all about deeds. And what do I need to do? What must I do? If only God would give me a list of things I can't do, I'd stay away from those things, and then I'd know I'm going to heaven. Okay, well, that's a flawed philosophy because that's not how God responds to us. He has done something amazingly great for us by sending his son Jesus, and he's just waiting for us to say, thank you, Lord, I received that 100%. I own it. I want it. I, I brandish it. It is all mine. That is what he's waiting for. But the people who say, well, you know, if, he, if God would just tell me what I can't do, then I wouldn't do that. Okay, well, he does lay out a list. Did you know God has a list? There's a list. It comes in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. And this is how that verse reads. I want you to listen for whether or not you are any of these things. The verse starts like this. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Number one, it doesn't say number one, I'm saying number one. Six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes. We don't use the word haughty very much anymore. Prideful. So pride. God does not like people who are prideful. God does not approve. No, that's wrong. I said that wrong. God does like those who are prideful. He just wants them not to be prideful. He loves everyone, but he does not love you being prideful. And so he's trying to stop you from being that way. So haughty eyes, number one. A lying tongue. Do I need to flesh that out for you? Don't lie. Lying's wrong. There are no white lies. They're all lies, and they're all wrong. God wants you to tell the truth. Hands that shed innocent blood. We have a lot of that in our world tonight, don't we? We have dictators in countries like China and Russia that shed innocent blood. We have people in the inner city who are unleashing unspeakable violence on their communities. We have record murder, murder totals in many, many cities. That's innocent blood. Most of it is innocent blood. When a seven-year-old girl dies in the drive through line at McDonald's sitting next to her father in the car waiting for a Happy Meal? Could it be any more innocent than that? Hands that shed innocent blood. That's the third thing in this series of verses that the Bible said God hates. The fourth thing is a heart that devises wicked schemes. A heart that devises wicked schemes. So a schemer, somebody who's devious, somebody who is purposely, uh, strategically evil in trying to game the system, cheat somebody out of something, get away with something they've done. A heart that devises wicked schemes. What's the fifth thing that God hates that is detestable to him? A false witness who pours out lies. A false witness is someone who says that someone did something, but they're lying because that person didn't really do it. So a false witness is a liar. It's a person who has no integrity. It's a person who has no character, a person who has a very inactive, seared conscience. 
Is that you? Do you devise wicked schemes to get ahead at work, to get the extra? You're always reaching for it, putting it in your pocket, getting it at the expense of other people. Um, that is something that God says he detests. A number five, five or six thing, I've lost track. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. Somebody can't wait. Ah, oh, look at that. I know I shouldn't be doing that, but I'm going. I'm going for it, man. I'm going for it. Yeah, feet that are quick to rush into evil also is reflective of someone who's extremely selfish. I want that. It's going to be mine. I'm going to get it. I'm going to make it happen. By any means necessary. Right? I hear that all the time. As if that's some kind of glowing motto, by any means necessary. I know that has civil rights significance, but really when you boil that down, by any means necessary, is that a godly attitude? By any means necessary? I don't think so, and I don't think you think so. A false witness who pours out lies is on this list of things that God hates. A false witness who pours out lies. This could touch on what we just talked about. Somebody who wants their way, they're going to lie. They're under oath. They don't care. Penalties are going to come because they're exaggerating their testimony, whatever. They're going to make false accusations. They don't care. A false witness who pours out lies. And then finally, a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Can you think of any ways that anybody can stir up dissension among brothers? Sure you can. Gossip. Gossip stirs up arguments, dissension, hatred among brothers. Don't be a gossip. You might know how somebody feels about somebody else. You don't need to go to that somebody else and say, hey, by the way, do you know how they feel about you? Do you know what they said about you? Hey, boss, did you know they were, you know, they were late for work today? You know, did you know they used a company expense account? And they, I, I don't really think that's a company expense they spent that on. Like a gossip is another way of saying that you are a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. And why is it important not to do these things? Well, I mean, it separates you from God. It indicates a lack of humility, uh, a lack of submission to his word, to the way he tells you to live. But I think if you do these things, it's impossible to do what is incumbent upon all of us as Christians, and that is to draw other people to the faith that we have. You're advertising for your faith in Christ with everything you do. So if you gossip, if you lie, if you cheat, if you're lazy, if you do all these things that God said he detests, well, he can love you and he can still forgive you, but it's not like you're really being productive and drawing anybody to the faith. In Matthew 5, verse 15, excuse me, in Matthew 5, uh, 16, Jesus says at the end of the, uh, well, not really at the end, kind of at the beginning, actually, of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going through and he says, you know, basically I'll paraphrase, like, you know, if you, if you have a lamp, you don't put a lamp under a bowl, because what would happen? 
like the light that's being cast by the lamp, the light would not, not be evident if you put it under a bowl. And pretty soon what would happen? The oxygen under the bowl would burn out and the light would burn out. And you'd have no light. So Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before men. The light that's in you, the love you have for Christ, the desire you have to serve him, let it manifest itself in myriad behaviors, but not in any of these. Don't be a gossip. Don't be a man with no integrity. Don't be sexually immoral. Don't be crude with your language. Don't gossip. All those things. But that's not the end of the verse. Let your light shine before men so they can see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Maybe it'll become easier for all of us to do good deeds. Not that deeds get you saved, but it would be easier for all of us to do good deeds. If we realized in the moment, you know, I'm going to go visit this person in the hospital. I'm going to go write this note to somebody. I'm going to call this person that I've been meaning to call. I'm going to text this person I haven't texted in forever. And yeah, it's awkward. And I dropped the ball a while ago, but every day I wait just makes it worse. If you discipline yourself, dig in and do those hard things, God says people will see that and they'll what? Give you 10 bucks or invite you on their board of directors? Well, they might. But no, Jesus says you do that so that people can see your good deeds and praise who? You? Hey, nice deed you did for me there. No, that's not the goal. And praise your Father in heaven. So everything we do in this life is meant to glorify God. Words, deeds, actions, attitudes, everything. And the list of things you can't do is much longer than what I read you out of uh, Proverbs 6. The list is kind of embedded in all 66 books of the Bible. And won't you feel silly and sad? Neither one of those words begins to really equate it. If you get to the end of days, the end of your days, and you're face-to-face with Christ, and he's going to tell you, well done, good and faithful servant, or away with you. I never knew you. And I just think it would be awesome in that moment to know that you did everything you could do and also you avoided everything you could avoid in terms of behavior to glorify him because he's worthy man he is so worthy and um, I am I'm awed awed by the vastness goodness the provision the comfort the direction of God visited upon us by his son Jesus Christ so with that I hope you have a great uh, start to your week 
I will be filling you in on a few uh, exciting details in my life as the week progresses. And I wish you well, and I'll talk to you again next time when we tackle that podcast.